Dave Williams presents Conversations.Buzz. Seems that we never hear anything about COVID these days. Um, not nothing. I do, you know, on Facebook and on social media, I find an occasional reference to it. Somebody who just got it, somebody who tested positive and is really ticked off now because they can't do what they're going to do. Uh, but seriously, most people have just kind of put it in the past, I think, historically, uh, for them personally. And yet, I was really surprised. I looked at the numbers just a couple of days ago. More than 103 million new cases have been confirmed in the U.S., and more than a million 400,000 of those people have died. And these numbers were good as of four days ago, December 14th. Dr. Benjamin Newman has uh, joined me. He's with the faculty at Texas A&M Biology. He joined there in uh, 2021 during the COVID-19 pandemic. He served on the International Committee of the Taxonomy of Viruses, which is a global a global uh, study group for COVID-19. He oversaw the Texas A&M University Global Health Research Complex, which identified a variant of the virus whose full significance was unknown. Here's Ben Newman. Good to see you again. Happy to help. Uh, yeah, what can I do for you? Yeah. All right. Well, here's what you can do. Kind of bring us up to date. Where do we stand with COVID? Now, at the end of 2023, looking at 2024, this uh, calling it the COVID-19 is starting to get kind of ancient sounding. Yeah. I think we've 2019. All, uh, Boy, that was the day. Yeah. We've all we've all started thinking about it in the past. Where are yeah. we? Yeah, isn't it weird that just like in your introduction, uh, uh, COVID is a thing that you, you run into on Facebook that maybe you didn't want to run into, that you remember from back yeah. in the day. Yeah. And there it is coming back again. Um, I think, I think those stats may have been cumulative up to this point, but yeah, it's done a lot of damage to the U.S. And we've had a couple of waves come through here, um, not too long ago. The uh, sort of central and uh, northern states are uh, where the current COVID wave is sitting. It kind of worked its way up from the south and from the uh, edges of the country um, to the middle. And uh, all of our maps kind of stop at the Canadian border. I wish them the best, but uh, there is some chance that it's uh, going on up there as well now. I remember um, there was a time when Australia and New Zealand were really shut down, right? They just shut down their islands. Nobody could come or go. And they were doing fine because of that. They did a good job, yeah, yeah. But right now, uh, as I read yesterday, the uh, uh, the Australians are suffering their biggest biggest uh, increase in numbers in the uh, history of of COVID, as far as we're all concerned. Are the numbers declining overall? Are they increasing? Are they staying flat or what? The numbers are being rather poorly reported. Yeah, <laughs> it's the main conclusion you can make. Um, we used to have decent counts, right? Remember back in the day when in order to go into work, everybody would just have to get tested. They'd test everybody once a month, something like that. That's about as close as you're going to get to an accurate count of who is and isn't sick. Um, and since then, testing has just gone through the floor. What we rely on are more test positivity numbers. Like when you see a doctor and the doctor thinks, run the panel of tests, including that little COVID stick that you have to, you know, <laughs> spit on or put some of your nose fluid on. And then you get the number of those that are positive. Whenever it goes up above, let's say, 5% or 10%, that's a pretty big wave. And so we've had a couple of those, but we have those without um, necessarily hearing much about it. 
And then right after those waves, you do always see the wave of uh, deaths come through. Uh, they usually lag by about three, four weeks behind the uh, wave of new cases. But uh, that's just how the virus works. It is slow and steady. Yeah. And never good. As I explained in the introduction of you and your work, you're, uh, you are uh, undoubtedly one of the, uh, the greater authorities of the COVID virus on the planet. And uh, I'm wondering what if you have any indication that if we and the people have suggested this, people who don't know anything, right? But uh, that if we just left it alone, it would just wear itself out. It would just eventually go away. Is there is there any possibility that that would be the case? If we leave it alone, it would do to us what the flu is doing to us now. Maybe on a bigger scale. Maybe eventually on the same scale. It's just a constant dragging down at the uh, young end and the old end. It's a thing that just wears away a part of humanity and beats us up. It's not good. I mean, humans are resilient, and I really like that about us. Um, um, but it doesn't It doesn't have to be bad. Yeah, is <laughs> what I would say. And ignoring a problem isn't typically the best way to deal with it. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the uh, the CDC hasn't been reporting any vaccination rates uh, since, I don't know, about March or maybe it was May of this past year. Um, wh- why is that, do you think, or do you know? As far as I can tell, it's a mix of politics and probably reporting concerns. Um, a lot of the states are really slowing down the way they report. Part of it, you could say, is just sort of a cost-benefit analysis. Um, people are trying to decide, is it worth the money to hire the people to gather the statistics so that we can you know, know for sure about this thing that we're dealing with, whether we know about it or not? I think early COVID, there's the possibility that we can vaccinate everybody. And when we do that, yeah, it ends one of the peaks that's uh, going on at that point, probably saves a lot of lives. At this point, the vaccines are there, but people are really not interested in taking them, which is very frustrating for me as a scientist Yeah, when you know the things work. Um, and so it's a question of if you're not going to solve the problem, why track the problem? I, I mean, I can I can imagine a politician's brain working that way. And I get it. But, uh, yeah, it's really frustrating because we we lose all our intelligence. We lose our ability to predict when we lose our ability to know what's going on right now. Yeah. Yeah. You just, said, <laughs> you, you just said something that brought up a, a major question for me, and that is uh, uh, the vaccines work. And I've had four of them, I think. If I haven't lost track. That's good. Yeah. I, I was, I, I, you know, I, I was, uh, I was dedicated to staying up to date. I'm getting, getting older and, uh, you know, didn't want to get sick, but, but here's the thing, you know, I recently had and a lot of people watching or listening to this know I recently had a, a health scare where I passed out and I spent a night in the hospital after just dropping to the ground for no reason at all. And, uh, after three months of testing and scanning by neurologists and cardiologists, and they said they can't find anything wrong. This sort of thing just happens once in a while. They really don't know what happened to me within the past week. I saw two different doctors that were totally unrelated to my case here, but I told them about it and they said, and they both said independently, they both said, have you gotten the COVID vaccine 
booster? I said, yes. They said, well, there you go. That's the problem. And it just floored me. These are doctors. I mean, I look, I could understand that doctors are people too, and they get their information, a lot of information the same way we do. But uh, it's, it surprised me to hear them say this. These are the same people that won't bother to tell me I'm fat anymore. Because it's just that too would hurt your feelings. Yeah. yeah. Mine too, I, frankly. Yeah. <laughs> Hope my doctor's listening. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, I, you know, that's, that made me think. I go, well, there's a person of medicine here telling me that yeah. I shouldn't be getting any more boosters. You run into this in a lot of fields, even scientists. But um, yeah, the, the problem with med school is that it's over. And when it's done, they say you're a doctor. And at that point, there's no requirement that you learn another thing. Same for scientists. There are people that have stopped learning at the end of their PhD and it shows. Yeah. <laughs> at least to people that know what they're doing. And that's a shame and it's easy to get busy, but, uh, boy, that's uh, kind of disheartening to see. Um, I, I don't think the stuff that they're saying is based on any sort of reliable science the, the the big studies the best studies all show the opposite that uh yeah it, you may have a side effect it'll last about 24 hours nothing bad will happen and from that point you've got nice immunity that's going to last for months um just a nice little shield for the rest of your body so you can go about your business so the story that you're telling right now ha- hasn't really changed since the beginning of the vaccinations goes back to, no. uh, you know, <laughs> uh, this This is helpful. It's not going to hurt you. And uh, I was going to ask you about, you know, are we, after after several years now, are we discovering any side effects or any long-term effects from the vaccines itself or even from the virus itself? Is there, you know, what is long COVID all about? Ooh, long COVID is a lot. Uh, it's this sort of wrapper that people put everything inside. Uh, some of that is if, uh, like... One in, um, I think it's one in 10 people. If they get the virus, they're going to hold on to it for more than a month, possibly several months. And that is long, literal COVID. They also, um, there's this sort of suite of medical problems that occur afterward where you'll have sort of tightness in your chest, difficulty breathing, possible damage to your heart if you get excited or try to do something, um, the possible other organ damage. There's a good bit of brain damage. And those are all things that show up in in weird ways, like uh, um, possibly even a little unpredictably. But those are also lumped under long COVID, which is like the long-term effects of having had COVID, you know, a while ago. We've got a much better handle on the correlates of long COVID, like the things that are there when you get long COVID, which are... Probably similar to the causes, although everybody's heard, you know, causation is not correlation, uh, et cetera. Um, but those tend to be little bits of autoimmunity. Like if you have already certain antibodies, certain white blood cells that are attacking you at a very minor level, but in specific ways, then when COVID comes in, that really increases the risk that you'll end up with long-term effects or um, just a long infection. Uh, it's both ineffective and more dangerous, like uh, destructive to the body. Yeah, in that case. Well, now what about the opposite? There are some of us. I'm one of them, and my wife is another. 
and she's out in public all the time. She works in a in a retail environment that is filled with uh, with uh, women that uh, are looking for products and and instruction and so forth. And she and she has not gotten COVID, and I have not gotten COVID, and yet I know a pe- number of people who have had it multiple times. Why is that? Are some of us just just lucky, or are we actually you know? Uh, we know with other diseases that there are certain sets of like versions of a gene, like genotypes that will be really resistant, that will make a very fast response and uh, uh, basically won't get sick or will have a much greater chance of survival. Uh, they've done these studies with things like Ebola and the original SARS. The studies are slow and there are some clues as to what those little correlates of protection may be in people now, but we're not really sure. And I, I can't say, hey, go get this gene test and yeah, you'll find out if you have superpowers. For now, you're living a charmed life. Yeah, that's fantastic. That's good for you and uh, your wife. And probably if one of you gets it, the other will as well. But as long as you're both, uh, yeah, doing so well, yeah, congratulations. That's really great. Right, what about the, the the modern boosters now? The the, the most current boosters. Uh, these are effective for for the COVID that's out there, right? I mean, if you that's right. If you're sitting on a booster that you got three years ago, it's probably not doing anything for you at all. No, if you're sitting on a booster you got six months ago, it's probably not doing much for you. Yeah. Ah. Uh, the antibodies will be gone. Those are the uh, shield that stops you from getting infected. The um, the white blood cells that will sort of hunt the virus down after it's made you sick to sort of shorten the duration, those last longer. Uh, um, a year or two is probably uh, pretty reasonable. But, yeah, if it's been three years, uh, <laughs> there is... There are not many defenses. Your 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 gates are open and your drawbridge is down. And, uh, you know, <laughs> if the virus comes in, that's a thing that could be pretty bad. But, yeah, the new vaccines work really well against all the variants that are here. We've driven all the – so we've vaccinated against um, two different groups of strains. Both of those have been driven to extinction. Uh, and you could say it's the vaccination. You could say it's the virus changing, but they are gone. Yeah. And the timing lines up, uh, such that it's probably the vaccine more than anything else. The new vaccine, I wish more people would take it because it's the only one that's effective at all against the, uh, strains that are out there. These things derived from the old XBB strain, uh, from like a year ago. And it was slow getting this updated vaccine, but, um, yeah, it was, it's worth it. Definitely. Well, what I'm what I'm wondering about too, and we've seen this with other diseases, other uh, rare afflictions that people have. There are medications for them, but they cost thousands of dollars because the pharmacological uh, groups just aren't bothering to invest in something that doesn't have a decent uh, profit return. And I'm wondering if that's going to happen with this too, because people aren't getting their shots. And yeah, by the way, those shots have been, for the most part, as far as I know, free, right? That's it. They still are, but there is there is pushback, uh, uh, definitely, at the national level against that. Uh, and so it's a real question of how long that will be the case. Um, yeah, uh, definitely worth getting it sooner rather than later, if that's what you're worried about. Um, yeah. What was the rest of the question? Uh, it was about the profit the profit oh yeah yeah for the 
Yeah, um, we have seen um, like Moderna has really scaled back and they've mostly put um, uh, their resources into other vaccines. Uh, you still got Pfizer pretty heavily in the COVID-19 game, although they are developing other stuff. Um, so you've got a uh, shifted focus onto RSV, shifted focus onto can we make mRNA vaccines against cancer and a boatload of other diseases, to which the answer is, yeah, maybe, maybe, yeah, worth trying for sure. Um, so uh, I want to make sure we don't take our eyes off the prize. But uh, yeah, it does seem to have shifted away from for-profit science. Now, there's still the regular kind of science, and people are still doing some really cool experiments, messing with the virus in ways that interrupt its ability to actually cause disease. And if we had the same kind of financial backing behind some of these ideas, I think they're really different. They could be as successful or more successful than what we've got with the mRNA vaccines. And since they're different types of vaccines, I think you would see a different um, sort of uh, side effect profile. And I, if that's the thing that's keeping people, you know, holding them back, that that seems worth pursuing. But yeah, like everything, it's a cost-benefit analysis. And uh, the people in Congress, most of them do not have advanced degrees in biology or biotechnology. Yeah, I would say. The interesting, uh, interesting read I've gotten from talking to people and on social media for what have been almost five years now since COVID first came out uh, is uh, I think people are just dismissive of it. They're going, well, if I get it, I get it. Um, I mean, you know, dude, do you have an idea how many people have died from that? Yeah. Well, yeah. if I die, I die. You know, you get a lot of that. It's, it's just, I get, it's just human nature and, you know, we've survived this long and I'm just, you know, I'm not going to do anything else. The government tells me to do, I don't trust the doctors <laughs> or the scientists. They're all in the pockets of big pharma. Yeah. You're not going to drive on government roads. You're not going to use that, uh, you know, uh, FDA sanctioned milk. You're going to whatever, get your own <laughs> off the street corner. Yeah, right. I don't know. People that say that are very selective with which parts of the government they're willing to contend, um, I would say. <laughs> all right. It, just uh, touch real quickly and we'll let you go on the, on the research that you're involved with right now. Are you still highly focused on COVID? Are you doing other things? And is there something else out there on the radar that uh, you haven't mentioned to us that we should be horrified about? <laughs> you should never be horrified about viruses. Um, they're just like animals. Think of a tiger. Think of a crocodile. You wouldn't want to put a crocodile pit in your backyard because you know something bad would happen. You wouldn't want a tiger living in the house with you. Although I like house cats. But you go to the zoo to see them because they're beautiful. They're fascinating. They work a little differently than things, the other things that are around. And that's how I feel about viruses. There are so many new ones uh, that we're discovering, uh, so many things similar to coronaviruses. And they're all over the place. They're in all of these fish. Oh, my goodness. Aquarium fish. <laughs> they're a great story. Uh, there's a paper that we've got coming out. Some of these fish, like we put different kinds together in a tank because we think it looks really pretty, but they each have their own viruses. And then we end up getting these things. They don't get filtered out or anything. It's just a constant exposure to other viruses. And so we get them jumping all over the place. There's one fish that has four different kinds of virus in its brain alone that we've managed to pull out. Yeah, just ridiculous sorts of things like that. And um 
there's a lot going on out there in the world. And because viruses are so small, you're not going to see them and you won't notice necessarily unless you look for it until something like COVID-19 happens. And then everybody says, whoa, where'd that come from? <laughs> but uh, yeah, we're we're building up the rest of the story, uh, rounding out the uh, coronavirus cinematic universe uh, over here. I'm just trying to figure out what these things are, where they come from, how they work, and just what makes them tick. And there are people that are, uh, you explained to me earlier, there are people who are uh, actually involved in making, uh, if not eradicating the virus and, and all of its uh, new per- permutations, at least making them uh, totally ineffective in, a, in attacking yeah. the human system, right? In- ineffective, so you can use them as vaccines. Yeah, yeah. These are the live vaccines that everybody says they want and may actually uh, finally come. The idea is very similar to bullying. You find something that the virus likes, something that it needs, and then you just break it right there in front of it. You set it up to fail. You put it in positions it does not want to be in. And there are so many cool ways to recode this thing. So it's still mostly the virus, but it's just completely unable to evolve into anything that can be, you know, like COVID-19. Yeah. A lot of cool ideas out there. we got to see which ones actually make it through into the clinic and into uh, the real world. But uh, the journals are a very interesting place to be right now. If you weren't so smart and working on such good things, I would ask that you consider taking up a a, a job uh, on, on TV or doing some sort of presentation on a regular basis on YouTube. We've got a build nigh. That's fine. You, yeah. <laughs> you are so charming and so delightful to listen to. You can tell us the worst, the, the most horrifying things that you've got. And uh, I still just get a kick out of watching you and listening to you. You're a very warm guy, as well as being very intelligent and scientifically minded. I'm able to follow most of what you say. And uh, that's why I've always enjoyed talking with you so much from time to time over the last few years. And I hope we do it again. Hey, I'd be happy to do that. And if it's something other than COVID, because COVID is magically gone from the world, (laughs) that's going to be great, too. (laughs) Dr. Ben, thank you. Have a great day. Merry Christmas. Always happy to be here. And very nice to hear you say such nice things. I'm going to send this to my mother. She loves that sort of stuff. (laughs) Thanks very much. All right. 